My name's uh, Kent Woodrow. I'm the associate pastor here at Holy Cross. If I haven't met you yet, um, hey, if you are a longtime Holy Crossite, um, I don't know if you noticed, but if you look around, there are just like more and more new faces, right? Um, and I've heard this from several of you all now. It's like, yeah, like I don't know a lot of people. Uh, so I've got a solution for you. How about uh, you go say hi? No, really though, um, I get it, right? And, and as we move into a new building um, and our space for having people come in gets bigger and people often are drawn to a building, we're just gonna see a lot of new faces. And so I think as a church, uh, I wanna encourage us to push into what frankly, y'all, like, just isn't normally natural for human beings. And that's that outward facing friendliness. That like, hey, I'm very, I'm, very curious about you and I want to welcome you. Holy Cross, we do that really well. So I want to keep, keep pushing us toward that. So after, uh, after the service, after we do the benediction and so forth, um, my encouragement to you would be, if you see a face that you're like, I don't know that person, go say hi and uh, see, see if you uh, maybe strike up a friendship. All right, so just wanted to throw that out to you all. Uh, hey, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and uh, turn it to the book of Colossians. We're going to be reading in chapter 2, verses 16 through 23, uh, as we are, we're continuing our sermon series in this little book uh, that is all about Jesus. Jesus first, Jesus only, Jesus always, right? And as you're turning there, uh, I'm going to give you some illustrations. And you can tell me in your head, like a good Presbyterian, okay? Um, you tell me what they have in common. All right, so... Later on this afternoon, you're punching buttons on your remote and nothing's happening. It's one of the first things you do. In your head, like a good Presbyterian, you check the remote, like check batteries, right? You gotta make sure, are the, is it, is, are the batteries working? All right, you push down the lever on your toaster, nothing happens. You check to make sure it's plugged in. <laughs> uh, hey, you, you open your browser, and it's blank. What do you do? Well, you go check your Wi-Fi, right? Like someone collapses in front of you, you check their, their pulse. So what do all these things have in common? See, when something isn't working, you check and see if it's connected to its source of power, to its life, right? Uh, to, the, to the source of life. Because if it's disconnected, then it's not going to work. No matter what you do no matter how much you want it to, right? Like uh, uh, you can punch that button as much as you want, not gonna change. You can reopen that browser a ton, no matter how much force you use, no matter what choice words you choose to use, right? If it's disconnected from its source of power, it's not going to work. That's the point of our passage today, okay? Paul, uh, he's this first century missionary um, who really, the Lord used a ton to spread the faith around the Mediterranean. Uh, he's writing to this little church in Colossae, which is in uh, modern day Turkey. And he's warning these Christians away from remotes disconnected to batteries, from, from religious trappings that are disconnected from Christ, from Jesus. So, if you're able and willing, would you stand as together we read our passage for today. Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 16. 
Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to festival or new moon or a Sabbath. These are the shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism, worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you die to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity of the body, they are no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Friend, because the Lord loves you, he gives you this word. And it's absolutely true, so we can build our lives on it. Let's pray. Father, as we come before your word, um, we need to be shaped by it. Our natural tendency is to think thoughts that are opposite of yours, and we need you to shape our thoughts because your thoughts are life-giving. Your thoughts are what are true. Your thoughts set us on the path toward life. And so, Lord, we ask, here we are. Shape our thoughts. Give us your thoughts that we might become more like you. We might live life the way you designed us to live it. And that Jesus, you might be honored through it. I pray all this, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Grab a seat. Hey, um, whatever it is that you may hear out there, I think there's a lot of religious sentiment in our world today, right? And maybe you don't believe me because there's, especially in our country, there's a record number of nuns, not N-U-N-S's, but N-O-N-E-S's, people who claim no religion whatsoever. Um, yeah, that, that group of people just, it, it, we're at an all-time high in the United States with that number. But think about it. Okay, um, even if you aren't channeling your religious fervor uh, into religion, you're pouring it into something else. And that thing, the Bible would say, has become your religion, has become your God. So, some examples for you, okay? Uh, it could be politics, it could be environment, it could be your family, it could be your kid, it could be your job, it could be your hobby, your car, it could be your dog, it could be your freedom, okay? But whatever it is that you are pouring your time and your passion and your effort into, right? Whatever it is, this is a, this is a good telling. Whatever it is that provokes your strongest emotions, Okay? Whatever it is that like, has you beat the war drum when you feel like it's threatened, and goodness, there's enough of that happening around, right? Uh, that's your God. That's your religion. Because here's the thing. Like, ultimately, everyone is fundamentally religious. It's just how God made us with, with this need for something greater, the need to live for something greater than ourselves, something bigger than ourselves. And so with all that religious sentiment out there, uh, here's what the Bible would say. And it sounds offensive in our day, but the Bible's not embarrassed to say it. But I would say that most of that sentiment is misdirected. 
We're punching on remotes without batteries. We're disconnected. And y'all, like, that's true in our day, but it was also true in Paul's day and, and, and of the world that Paul and the Colossians lived in. So today Paul's gonna point out uh, how disconnected ritual, disconnected worship, and disconnected purity don't do us any good. Like, we need connection. So those are gonna be our three points. And then under each of those, uh, we're gonna consider what that meant to the Colossians and then how it applies to us, okay? So let's start with disconnected ritual. What's a ritual first, right? We gotta define that. I think simply, like the easiest way to understand is a ritual is a habit, okay? It's, it's, uh, and we tend to assume that rituals have to be religious, but they don't have to be, right? A ritual is, is something that you repeatedly do because you believe that it's good for you because probably somebody's told you that and, and you do this because you're hoping to get something from it, okay? So whether it's maybe brushing your teeth in the morning, or maybe before you go to bed, or whether it's uh, uh, having your cup of coffee with your Bible reading in the morning, whatever it is, there's a reason you perform the rituals you do. There's a reason you're into the habits that you're into, right? Because deep down inside, you believe that little performance is gonna give you something. It's gonna be good for you. All right, so we're just file that away. Where do we see that with the Colossians here? All right, let's start, look, uh, look at verses 16 and 17, okay? Again, remember, um, remember that sizable Jewish population that, that uh, was in Colossae at this time that were also influencing how the Colossians were thinking and some of their fears? Well, that group of people, they lived disconnected from their homeland down in Palestine by like some 1,600 miles, right? And so they would have been very, very concerned about trying to preserve their, cult, their sense of cultural difference and identity from the native uh, Colossians. Um, and one of the things that marked Jews out as distinct from everybody else, as other, as, as still connected to the temple back in Jerusalem were their religious rituals, right? Things like food customs and, and their festival days and refusing to work on Saturday, which was their Sabbath, right? Here's the thing though. At this point in history, they held to these things less because um, they believed these things connected them to God. Instead, they clung to these things because it connected them with a sense of their own identity. So uh, imagine what it would have been like for them, for these people when the native Colossians showed up and they're like, hey, we're connected now. Like we, we worship the same God too. Uh, we're part of his people. Well, imagine how they would have responded. Uh, Y'all, you're not Jewish. And we don't want you watering down our distinctives here. We don't want you uh, uh, watering down our cultural heritage. So if, if, you, if you really want to be one of us, you got you, you to gotta eat like we do. You got to party like we do. You got to rest the way we do, right? And so they passed judgment, verse 16. They passed judgment on these, on these Colossians, these young God followers, and they judged them disconnected because they weren't observing the right rituals, all these things. Hey, don't miss this, right? Because those food laws, those festivals, those feasts, the Sabbaths, God himself had given those things to his people. He had given them to his people 
for, for two reasons, or no, for multiple reasons, but I'm, I'm just gonna give you two, okay? First one was, yes, he wanted them to be distinct. So you were supposed to, like you could tell one of God's people walking a mile away because they just, they looked different. They looked different, they ate different, they partied different, they rested different, they worked different. Like they were just different. But the reason for that difference is what's more important. The rituals the Lord gave his people were meant to connect with him. People weren't supposed to come away from meeting a Jew or meeting one of God's people and being like, man, those Jews, they're just like stuffy about their rules. They're supposed to come away from meeting one of God's people and say, man, that sounds like an interesting God. I'd like to meet that God. But again, at this point in their story, God's people were taking God's rituals and habits and all that and they were making it about them. And they were disconnecting those rituals from God and making it all about their own sense of ethnic superiority. And they were, they were using these things to get what they actually really wanted, which at this time, because again, remember, subjugated people, they don't have their own homeland. And so they believed if we live this, if we, if we just live the right way, we will ultimately end up getting our own homeland, ruled by our own king, surrounded by people just like us. It had become about them. In fact, uh, when, when King Jesus shows up to his own people, the one that all these rituals, that all these things were like just shadows of, that they were pointing to, God's people said, mm, no, thank you. We'll keep our rituals. We'd rather have them. I mean, that's Paul's point in verse 17, right? Uh, these are the shadows of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. It would be like me saying, I'm in love with my wife's shadow, not with her. That's the point that God's people had gotten to. All right, so let's look at us, right? Um, where do we see this in ourselves? Hey, question. Why do you do the rituals that you do? The, the, the good ones, the ones that the Lord has given you, things like Sunday morning worship, like Bible reading, prayer, uh, giving, serving, all that sort of stuff. I mean, maybe these things have just become part of your habit, but it's, it's always a good thing, right, to examine your habits. Why, why do you do them? Why do you do them? Um, are we, do we do them because, again, uh, that's just kind of what good folks in the valley do. Everyone's got some sort of connection to, to a church somewhere, right? Do we do them because we believe that these rituals, like these things that the Lord has given us, will connect us to him and, 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 and connect other people to him? Or are we actually using these things, maybe whether we're aware of it or not, we're using these things to actually get what we really want. Hey, if I do my quiet time every morning, maybe I'll have good kids. Hey, if, I, if, I, if I'm faithful in prayer, Maybe the Lord will keep me healthy. Maybe the Lord will give me the job I'm dreaming for. Maybe, you know, all these things, right? Um, but here's the problem, right? Like, just know that if that's how we're using what God has given us, these rituals, and they become disconnected rituals, they're actually powerless because they're not actually about the relationship that, that the Lord offers us, right? Hey, here's the thing. If you want ritual... 
any religion or other movement out there can offer you that. In fact, they can probably offer you that in more fancy ways and they'll, they'll even promise you everything you want if you just rightly follow what they give. There's only one religion in the whole world where its ritual is about connecting you with a life-giving God himself. Just about building the relationship that he moved, like that he has come to give you, right? So, um, just ask ourselves that. Take some time this week, maybe in your small groups, uh, and if you're not in a small group, ask this uh, in your own quiet time. Lord, why am I doing what I'm doing? Let me examine my heart again. Is this because I'm seeking to connect with you? Because you have moved toward me in relationship, right? All right, so, so Paul, uh, he tells the Colossians, look, these, these questions of food and drink, festivals, new moons, all that sort of stuff, they're not connected to Jesus. These are all just habits and, and, and rituals now that, um, that people are pursuing without pursuing Jesus, and Jesus has given you himself. So he warns the Colossians away from these rituals disconnected from Christ. Uh, he also warns them away from disconnected worship. So we uh, look at verses 18 and 19, okay? Um, just so you know, these verses are really hard to translate, and they're even harder to like, then make sense of. So here's what I think is going on, okay? The Colossians weren't, uh, weren't only being told that they needed to take part in these Old Testament rituals um, if they're really gonna be one of God's people. They were also being told, y'all, your worship just falls short. See, look at that, that word that, that starts, uh, starts off in verse 18, disqualify. That's a really strong word, right? But that's a word from the sporting world. It's where a competitor's told they're ruled out of the competition. And so the poor Colossians were hearing from uh, this, uh, the, the community of Jews that surrounded them, hey, your worship is out of order because it, and it doesn't count unless you're having these truly transcendent worship experiences, right? Um, again, this is where things get complicated in translation. But verse 18, the phrase that says going on in detail about vision, I think it's probably better understood like entering into visions, Okay, so instead of going on in detail about visions, it's entering into visions. So here's what that matters. The Colossians were being told, real worship, it's about having this sort of out of body transcendent experience where once you've like so humbled your body, maybe through fasting or maybe through uh, some sort of harshness to your body, you can kind of escape it and enter into the visions of heaven and, and with the worship of the angels and so forth. And maybe that sounds a little strange, but at this point in, in time, there was a strong subset of uh, like charismatic, mystical leaning in Judaism in the day. Okay. And a lot of Jews had become obsessed with, with having these sort of out-of-body experiences and looking for connection with angels and seeing visions and all that sort of stuff. That's what worship had become about for them, this mystical, transcendent thing. Um, so how does Paul respond to this? Well, he gives them this metaphor that we find in, uh, in verse 19 here. A body needs connection to its head in order to grow and truly live. So here, here's Paul's point. He's saying Colossians, like real worship isn't some sort of fuzzy, mystical experience. It's about connection with God. Jesus, the head, 
He's the one who's done that for you. He's connected you to God. He's the one who gives you growth. He's the one who worship is really about. And uh, disconnecting from him in favor of like these, these mystical out-of-body transcendent experiences, uh, I mean, it's like, it's like getting beheaded. It's graphic, but that's Paul's point. Um, all right, so what about us? Where do we see this in ourselves? Hey friend, um, isn't it kind of shocking how easily worship can become dissociated from the one that worship is supposed to be about in the first place, right? That's just the tendency of our, of our human hearts is to make worship about something, anything other than the one it's supposed to be about, right? Hey, think about it. Uh, there are plenty of churches out there where you can go and you can have an incredible performance. You can experience an incredible performance, right? But when you boil it all down, there's very little Jesus in it. Everything's like about the music, the aesthetic. It's about uh, giving the audience an experience, maybe of power or of ecstasy, something transcendent. Um, but it's not really about Jesus not about the king. And you can come away from something like that feeling good, having had a great experience, but have you come away connected with the king, connected with Jesus, right? Um, hey, again, because it's easy to be, point fingers out there. I bet you we've done that too, right? I mean, I know how, I have. How often have, I, have, have we come into this very space here um, looking for an experience maybe, looking for connection maybe with somebody else, but maybe less with the cane. So just being honest, right? Like consider your own heart. Uh, how often is, is our worship misdirected and disconnected? Okay. Um, what are we looking for? What are we looking for in worship? Why, why do we do this every Sunday, right? We gotta keep thinking about it. Um, because if it's anything other than connection with the Lord, then it's about as life-giving and powerful as a body disconnected from the head. Here's what's beautiful though, right? That is what our worship would always be, disconnected, if the Lord hadn't done something about it. See, the Lord wants to connect with us in the first place, right? The same Lord who went after the Colossians and connected them to himself, in verse 19, saying, to, to grow them with a growth that comes from God, right? That same Lord has come for you. He wants you connected to him. He wants you to experience him in his worship, right? That's what's beautiful. That's what he wants for us. Do we want that too? Do we want connection with him? Because worship that is disconnected from relationship, it's powerless. And it's, it's not what we were made for by the God who moves toward us in relationship. Okay? All right. So, uh, Paul warns the Colossians away from rituals that are disconnected from the Christ. And then he warns them away from worship that it's disconnected from the head. And finally, he warns them away from 
disconnected purity in verses 22 through 23. Hey, so much of religion is about trying to deal with this nagging sense that I believe we all have that, um, that we're not clean, that there's just something out, like we're just not quite right. Um, and maybe if we just did the right things or, and, and, and cut out the wrong things out of our lives, then maybe we can feel good about ourselves. And maybe, maybe then we could feel clean and feel pure, right? So what did that look like for the Colossians? All right, so they were being told, uh, y'all aren't clean, y'all aren't pure, unless you, look at verse 21 here, uh, unless you don't touch those things there because those will make you impure. Don't eat those things over there because those will make you impure. Don't engage in those practices over there because those will make you impure. Look it down at verse 23, right? You gotta, you gotta be tough on yourselves because it's only once you've mastered, uh, gained mastery over your body the, and, and, and over its cravings that you can be truly pure. Hey, maybe that sounds familiar. Sound familiar? Um, because I think often we Christians, we can tend towards saying the same things. And when we do, we make Christianity just like every other religion out there, right? Here, here's how. Because purity becomes an external matter rather than an internal matter, okay? And, and we put purity within our grasp, under our control, because if we behave just right, and, and, and we cut out all these other things from our lives, then we'll be good to go. We, we can achieve, achieve purity on our own. We can be disciplined enough to do that. Hey, Paul himself, he's like, hey, I, I acknowledge how attractive that seems. Uh, look at verse 23. He said, making purity about your practice has the appearance of wisdom, right? And we're drawn to it because like all the other religions out there, it's, it's do-it-yourself religion. It's up to us to just to, to white-knuckle it, to, to gain enough willpower to just stop it. Just don't. Just don't. Just don't. Right? Don't handle. Don't taste. Don't touch. It's a problem, though. And, and Paul points it out uh, in, in verse 23. Just do it religion and, and do it yourself religion and just don't purity. They actually don't do anything to stop what Paul calls the flesh, which is that inner bent that all human beings have now that we've rebelled from God away from his purity and what is good toward impurity. Right? It does nothing to stop the flesh. In fact, here's what's sad. Uh, do it yourself religion and just don't purity actually just creates worse addicts. Creates people who are hiding, putting on a show. People who are um, out there telling everybody, hey, behave, behave, behave. Like, gotta be pure, all that sort of stuff. And then very often, that same person is living a double life. And they end up in the news when scandal breaks out and their highly conservative organization is, you know, like, what? There's a seedy underside to that? That's the effect of just don't purity, of do-it-yourself religion. 
Here's some good news though, right? Uh, look at verse 20. Paul in this passage reminds the Colossians again what it means to be with Christ. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why as if you were still alive in the world do you submit to regulations? And he goes on, right? So here's, here's the logic of what Paul's saying. In Jesus' death, he conquered the dark powers at work in this world, and he started ushering in his new world, a world free from those dark powers. And so if we are with Jesus, we are united to him, then we're citizens of his new world. We, we live by his rules. He is our king and our master, not the dark powers at work in this world. So we don't live by those rules especially the rules that every human being ends up following under. Just don't, like, do-it-yourself religion. Just don't purity, right? We identify with our king. And so what's true about him is what is true about us. And if Jesus is pure, then we are pure. If Jesus has made it through unstained, and he did, then we are unstained, and we will make it through. Hey, I get it. Maybe that feels a little abstract, okay? Um, so how does this work out practically in our lives? Friend, I bet you you've had your fair share of do-it-yourself religion and just don't purity, right? Um, and, and maybe that's what you thought Christianity is all about. My friend, like, do you realize if you are a Christian, right? If you are a Christian, your purity isn't based on your performance and how well you're avoiding sin. That is hard for us to get. But your purity is not based on your performance and how well you are avoiding sin. Your purity is a gift. It's a gift to you from King Jesus himself, right? He's the one who lived that perfectly pure life, a life that none of us could ever live. And he did that so that he could give us his purity, right? And look, I get it. You may feel the furthest thing from pure, right now. I understand that. In fact, if you feel that way, that's probably why you're, you're drawn toward white-knuckling your way through your current sin or addiction. But in God's eyes, and this is hard for us to believe, but in God's eyes, you are clean. You are pure. If you are a Christian connected with Jesus, you are pure because you are with him. You are united with Jesus, connected to him and his purity. So what is true about Jesus is true about you and you wouldn't say Jesus is impure. So you are pure, okay? But I, I also hear, because I know I ask this question myself, right? What about my sin habits, right? I know the full story. What about my sin habits? What about the, the ways that I keep failing repeatedly, right? First, like, just realize Jesus knows about those. 
Jesus gets those. You may have everybody else around you fooled, but he sees it. He knows. And, and maybe you're surprised by how much of a hold these things have on your life. But he isn't. He isn't. He, he, he's the one who died to free you from the penalty of your sin. He's the one who is working even now through his spirit in your life to free you from the power of your sin and gloriously, he's the one who promises that one day you will be fully freed from the presence of your sin too. Friend, your purity isn't dependent on you. You lost that. Our parents lost that in the garden. No human being could ever be pure since then. And so our purity is completely dependent on our king, on our Jesus. He gives that. All right, so, but if, what, what if you really want freedom from sin, right? Like that's what we want. We, we want to see, we want to see the, the reality of our purity lived out in this world. Well, the answer in this case isn't to default to what we all tend to, like our automatic gut response, which is just try harder, right? Or, or just don't. To, to, to work hard to disconnect ourselves from all the things that are impure. Like, yeah, there, there's discipline and all that sort of stuff that's involved. But what matters more is connection, real connection, connection with the Lord. That is what changes hearts. That's what changes lives and, and breaks the power of sense. Here, here's the thing. Revel in the beauty of Jesus and his person. Wonder at him and his ways. Delight in who he is and what he's done. Marvel at how lavishly he's loved us and the links that he goes to, to be with us and to show us that love, right? Celebrate that he connects us, not just to ritual and shadow, but to relationship and to himself. That he connects us in, in worship to him, that he, he connects us to real, life-changing, eternally guaranteed purity. And, and, and Christian, as you do that, as you wonder, as, as you look at him and, and, and grow in your love for him, maybe see if like that doesn't slowly begin to shape and change you. So that the sins that you once uh, thought you couldn't live without start becoming a little less appealing because of this new love that you have. New love for, for a savior who, who loves you and you become more and more like the one that you love. The one who has connected us to his life-giving power, the one who uh, has connected us to his power-filled self, the one who uh, does this through his rituals and his worship, his purity. So let's pray to him now. Father, we, we are your people and we do desperately want to connect with you. We do love you, Lord, and we repent of the ways that it is so easy for us to fall back on our own efforts, on our own performance, to trust our rituals, to trust our worship, to, to trust our own purity. But Jesus, the answer is you. It always is you. So Lord, I pray for my sisters and brothers in here because I know in the room this size, we've got a lot of sin that we are wrestling through things that maybe we don't want anybody else to find out about. 
and, and, it, and we're frustrated with it. Um, so Jesus, I ask, I ask that you would fix our eyes on you, that you'd grow our love for you, and that you would give us a wonder that not only we don't have just shadow, but we have the substance, we have you. We don't have just mindless uh, experience. We have true worship that connects us with you. We don't have purity we have to work up ourselves. We've got yours. Your, cl- your cleanness poured out on us, us being pure because of you. And Jesus, I pray that that would change us. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you have done everything. Father, would you cause us to live in those truths this week? In your name we pray. Amen.